Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Chris Herney joins me now on the Service Master by Cornerstone phone line. Chris, what are we listening to? Uh, of course, that is Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Spears. Happy birthday to Britney, 41 years old today. Um, so the Sixers are in town. Uh, tell me about yep. the Sixers. Uh, only time they'll visit this year, Joel Embiid at least is healthy, even if their other two stars or you know, quasi-stars at least, Tyrese Maxey and James Harden are not. So Embiid, one of the um, one of the more unique, that's not really, more unique is not really a thing, but one of the more distinctive players um, in the league, one of the better players in the league, your only time, chance to see him in town, um, their backcourt is out, so you don't see those guys, but that maybe makes it more likely you see a win, too. And so if you can see Joel Embiid in a win, that's a pretty good Friday night. Um, they've, they've been okay. I mean, I thought they were going to be the best team in the East in the regular season. I did not think they'd come out of the playoffs, but I thought they'd have a great regular season. But they get off to kind of a rough start, and they've had some injury issues, and there's a lot of questions around Doc Rivers. But, you know, they're still 12-10 and 10 with one of the best players in the league. They are 7-3 and three in their last 10. And what's right. interesting, I actually think the opener, you were at my house, uh, and we just saw him get lit up by the Celtics in the opener, right? Yeah. And then and they yeah. didn't they didn't guard anybody. And now they have Shake Milton starting and DeAnthony Melton starting. Shake Milton over his last seven has averaged twenty one, six, and six. Um, and they are third in uh, points possession allowed. Like I, yeah, no, their their defense has been good. I mean, Embiid, Embiid, like he's not like he's not Jaron, like you know, guarding all over the floor, like dynamic, athletic. But he is one of the league's better, more impactful defensive players. And then they have good defensive role players. I mean, PJ Tucker may be done offensively, but right. like he, he's a gritty guy. Hey, Melton, I, like I wouldn't want to like go through a whole season with the Anthony Melton and Shake Melton as my starting backcourt. But that's a pretty good backup backcourt. Yeah, it's a pretty good backup backcourt. Okay, which gets me to the to the uh, piece that you wrote today about, and it's some of these things we've talked about before, um, but whether the DeAnthony, as DeAnthony Melton is making his return here, and whether the DeAnthony Melton trade was a mistake. And one of the interesting, you have this chart. Any lineup with Melton or Anderson in it, that's from last year, and then you have right. any lineup with Conchar or Aldama in it, the the, the players who essentially uh, moved up in the pecking order because of, of Melton and Absence's and uh, absence. But then any lineup with Roddy or Laravia in it. 
And what it shows, well, so offensively, if you had Melner Anderson last year, offense was 71st percentile, defense was 60th percentile, over 9, 69th percentile. Any lineup with Conchar or Aldama in it, 66, 74, 75. That's actually marginally better, although there are caveats, which I'm sure you'll get to. And then you go any right. any any lineup with Roddy or Laravia in it, and it's 63rd, 6th, and 20th overall. So you go from 69th overall to any lineup with Melton or Anderson in it to 75th percentile with any lineup with Conchar or Aldama in it to 20th percentile with Roddy or Laravia in it. Uh, tell us the caveats and tell us what this means. Yeah, breaking news, rookies, rookies are bad at defense. Um, <laughs> that, that is the uh, you know, percentile. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it puts a number on it, but it, it's not, you know, to me, this is no great surprise. I mean, Zaire Williams, the deep, the lineups of Zaire Williams were bad defensively early last season. I, you know, rookies, especially rookies in the first few months of their career, tend to not be able to play very good defense at the NBA level. So that is just, that is just the way it goes. Um even Jared, who's one of the best defenders in the league, it took him a few years to to become that, right? Even with all the defensive talent he had. By the way, let me and let so, me let me interrupt just for a second because it 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 shows we already knew that this idea that they don't play defense in the NBA, and I like college basketball because they play defense, which is uh, one of the old canards that you would hear, uh, maybe less now, but you've heard it is just so preposterous. People come out of college. They don't know how to shoot in college, and so it looks like people are playing defense. But they come out of college, and even a good defender has no idea how to defend, play defense up to an NBA level. Here's the best current argument against that, if it's even needed anymore. Yeah. For some people, it probably is. Um, remember Drew Timmy? Remember him looking like Bill Walton in 73 against the Tigers in the right. NCAA tournament? Yes. Why is he still in college basketball? It's because he was not going to be a first-round draft pick. Why right. is he not going to be a first-round draft pick? Because no one thinks he can defend in the NBA. Right. Yeah. That, that's why he's back at Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, so anyway. And um, and and what's his name? What what's his name on Detroit? The Duke player. What the, I'm having a mind. Uh, uh, Bagley. Yeah, Bagley. Like Mark, he's a right. he's a decent offensive player, but he can't guard anybody. Right. And that's why he's been a flop. Right. Uh, anyway, carry yep. on. Carry on. I don't know where you were. Any defense is, is tough uh, for rookies. Yes. Yeah, defense is bad for rookies. The Grizzlies' defense is taking a tumble, um, and it's been particularly bad in, in, when those guys are on the floor. Um, the caveat with the Conchar, the reason the reason that, that I don't think Conchar and Aldama collectively have been better than Melton or Anderson even, Anderson, even though that lineup data might suggest so, is that they have played a lot more with the better players. Right. And this sort of illustrates sort of where the injuries have happened for the Grizzlies. Last season, Melton and Anderson, over 82 games combined combined for 26 starts. Conchar and Aldama have already combined for 27. Wow. And so it's been this sort of trickle-up effect. It's like, you know, those guys have been pushed into the starting lineup very frequently, and that has pushed the rookies into the rotation. And the Grizzlies have struggled with that in a way that's not surprising. I think, you know, if they better help the rest of the way, that'll get corrected. But the other point I make is that I, I really – I think the Grizzlies went into this season a player short of in terms of proven rotation-level players for a team that's trying to contend. They're a player short. And they could have not been a player short by not trading D.A.C. Melton. And so in that level, you could say it was a mistake. But like they, they could have, they could have still had that player after trading Anthony Melton, and they they chose 
to not take the routes to do so. Yeah, it'll be interesting because right now any lineup with Conchar Aldama numbers are better than any lineup with Melton or Anderson. They've played more with the starters and so play with better players. Once the starters return and they become the bench players that they're supposed to be, their numbers will presumably uh, decline to some extent. So you go into this, uh, the, the, the weather is a mistake to trade Kyle and or Melton question. And with Kyle, you're firmly on the side of not a mistake. No, not a mistake, as much as I like him. And, and it's not to say he would not have helped them. They would not have been a better team over the past 20 games if they had him. I think they would have been. But the bigger picture there was they thought they needed to be a better shooting team, you know, to go deep in the playoffs. When, you, when you're getting the playoff basketball, you're playing half-court basketball, you have to be a better shooting team. I think that is a correct assessment of the roster. The number one way to be a better shooting team is to not have so many guys who can't shoot. <laughs> and they were already they were already locked in. I mean, you don't have to be. I guess in theory you could have like traded one of these guys, but they you know they like Stephen Adams, they like Brandon Clark. Well, neither of them shoot, and so you can't have if you're going to be a decent shooting team in the NBA today, you can't have that many players who don't shoot. And so Anderson would have given them three out of four players in their front court rotation who aren't really shooters. Like Anderson's more of a shooter than. Steven Adams or Clark, but he's not really a shooter. And so the best way to tilt that is to take that rotation spot and put better shooting in it. And the idea, short-term, that's, that's Aldama, and that's been a little bit of a wash maybe. The long-term bet there is LaRavia, who I think clearly can be a major shooter. The only question is whether the rest of his game can, can hold up enough. And so to me, the, the sort of longer-term bet with, with LaRavia to try to fill that role ultimately, I think is not a bad bet at all. Um. You with the, the Anthony Melton, and you you sort of addressed this a little bit already. It's it's not just the decision to move off of him; it's the decision to not bring in someone experienced to replace him. Um, but it's interesting because the phrase that you used that stuck out to me was that they got rid of him because they were quote unquote tired of his act. Not meaning, and that often is. That- that, that seems that, to mean that's my that that is my interpretation. That is that, that right. is not that is not the Grizzlies language. That is right. my interpretation. Tired of his act yeah. often means when people use it, they mean it. Odell Beckham being a prima donna and a jackass yeah, off the that's court. That's not what I mean. Not I mean, at I mean all. On the right. court. Yeah, you just mean on the court. What was the act that one would tire of on the court if one would tire of it? Well, he's a six-two guard, and so I think when you trade for him, your hope—you know, trade from three years ago or whatever—your hope is that he can be a combo guard, that he can be a guy who plays both backcourt positions, and you know, can, can play on the ball as like a backup point guard and soak up some of those some of those minutes. And he never developed the on-ball skills to really do that, which means now you have to, instead of having this third guard who can sort of be your backup point guard, you got to invest in a backup point guard. So now they're paying Tyus Jones fifteen million. And then as dynamic as he is defensively, again, he's still only 6'2", so it's not like he's Dylan Brooks who can you can switch him all over the place on all kinds of different players. The lack of size can become a problem and maybe more of one at half court. And then on offense, he's just erratic. You know, his offense would, will come and go, and it, and it, and it mostly, mostly, not entirely, but mostly went in the postseason two years in a row. And I think that was it. I mean, not it, but that had to be a big part of it. Like they and and Zach Kleiman not talking about him said we, you know, we need a different mix in the playoffs. Basically, he wasn't referring well, to the you Anthony get Mountain. Back to the, yeah. yeah, you get back to what I was saying about the Anderson for Laravia switch about you know being a better shooting team for half court basketball. Melton thrives in open court basketball. Um, he's a really dynamic player 
from both ends of the floor in terms of that up-and-down game, which is so exciting and which was at the core of so much of why the Grizzlies were good last season. But I think the, the concession here is that in the playoffs, you're forced into half-court more, and we need better half-court players. And Melton, Melton's, Melton, Melton is at his best in, in full-court basketball, not half-court basketball. Um, and then it it really evolved. I mean, it, they actually literally did trade DeAnthony Melton for David Roddy. It wasn't just like, well, and what they've done essentially is they actually did trade him. But in the end, right. they are hoping that Roddy – can be better at that sort of thing, if not this year, in the future, right? Yeah, I don't see Roddy as a mountain replacement. I see Roddy as a second dart throw alongside LaRavia. Right. That is not how they've been using him. They've been using him as a wing. I don't think it's a wing. I, to me, it's LaRavia and Roddy are both sort of, you know, combo forwards who can shoot three if you're hoping one of the two hits, and that's your, you know, your ultimate Kyle Anderson replacement. You know, I, you know, Conchar moves up to take Melton's role, but that does, but that doesn't leave a Conchar-like player behind. It puts Roddy in that role, and to me, he's just not really suited. He doesn't have the guard skill stuff like that on either end of the floor, to me. And so, to me, they've they, they don't have backcourt depth, and that's sort of so what hurt them as has hurt them as the injuries have been concentrated, you know, among Morant, Bain, Zaire Williams. Kyle and DeAnthony Melton, both fun players. Kyle, for all the reasons you've talked about in your in your admiration of him, but DeAnthony Melton like played with a certain joy, didn't you think so? Like, I mean, he was his exuberance, and and it's same thing in the in in his post game press conferences and everything else. There was a yeah, and he he generated exciting plays. Yeah. He was the guy who gets the block, the steal. the the out of nowhere defensive rebound that suddenly becomes fast break basketball, and then like. You know, he's hammering alley oop dunks, or sometimes throwing them. Right. He, he he was by his nature an exciting player, and so yes, I think I think they've lost some zip this season, which right. is not exactly the same as like what their problems are. There is electricity to him that is there is not to David Roddy or to Jake Laravia, which apart from the fact that they're rookies and and all of the and whatever else. Um, uh, all right, in the Zach Lowe piece today, it's just a throwaway line. And it was a throwaway line when he was talking about New Orleans, honestly. But he said that GMs in the West murmur or whisper or something or fret or whatever about New Orleans or Memphis making an all-in trade. Are we sitting here waiting for the Grizzlies to make an all-in trade? Not, you know, is that that is one of the things I, that— I would yeah. say I am not— I, I, I mean, we've been talking about the idea of some consolidation, something right. like that, for years. And I think it, you know, it may be the kind of thing that just hovers over and never happens. It's not something I am, I feel personally like, okay, you know, what's the big move? Are they going to move all in? I mean, I'm honestly, in this season, I've been thinking more about what's the small move, you know? What's the Danny Green and a right. future first for, you know, blah, 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 sixth, seventh best player on your team? That's not what he's talking about. That's not the all-in move. On the other hand, I can't at this point. I can't imagine they would do an all-in move at a level of including Bain or Jaron in a deal. And so, to me, you're talking about the mid-level all-in move, which is like maybe Dylan Brooks um, definitely cobbling together contracts and you're just and throwing your draft picks and stuff because they have all their own draft picks and they have the Golden State picks. So you could do you know four first-round picks and pick swap if you wanted to do. That we are giving you all of our draft picks for a star, and here's some contracts to match. You can do that kind of deal. 
Now, uh, you you will be surprised. You will be surprised if the trade deadline passes, and we have a long way to go from now. There now, and they don't at least bolster. Won't you be? They will bolster. Uh, I don't. To me, it depends on what the team looks like. You know, if they, if they, if they get healthy and stay healthy, I think they could be. They're going to be really, really good. And if they suddenly have no injuries and now. Yeah, you're not having to play either of the rookies, and right, Zaire is good. Green's coming back, and like you know, to me, it's it's a matter of is there pressure? Right at this moment, there are issues with the roster, but I think you can still look at it and say our, our fixes are internal. And so, is that still going to be the feeling in two or three months? We talked to you yesterday about films. You put together your best, your list of best hundred best films ever. People can see it on Twitter, and then the official list came out yesterday there is a new number one and i'll be honest i don't think my list our listeners here are going to be rushing out to see it uh tell us about it literally it's a movie that no one has seen except for film critics and historians <laughs> for the most part <laughs> and, and i haven't seen it i mean i'm familiar with it right. i know what it is it's about a widow like, it's about a widow going through her daily tasks Often in like real time, like uh, extended version. Is that it? Like, what's it about? Yeah, it's like a it's a it's a three hour Belgian film by a filmmaker named Chantal Ackerman, and it's about sort of the daily domestic life of a woman, and then it gets complicated from there. I, you know, I, I won't I will I'll, I'll avoid the plot twist on a movie that one will see. Right. But to me, the the, the real alert. point is. It's a movie I would like to see, but I don't want to sit on my – and you can see it. It's, I think one of the reasons it, it elevated is because it's easier to see now. It used to be more of a rumor of a movie than a movie because no one could ever see it. But now you can watch it on HBO Max or Criterion Channel or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I just don't want to sit on my couch and watch it. I, 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 I want to have a theatrical experience with it. My problem – and again, I say this having not seen the movie. My problem right. with it being the number one on this list is that it's sort of halfway between commercial filmmaking and avant-garde filmmaking – which I think is fine. I think that's even great. But I think that makes a bad standard bearer on a list like this because it's so forbidding to most people. And it instead of an entry point, it's sort of a like uh, a no. Yeah, a no I'll skip point. this list. If that's what they're talking about here, art films that no one watches, right. I'll skip the list. Was Rio Bravo on, you, which was your number one, was it on the list at all? No, it wasn't 2012. It was like number 65 or something 10 years ago. And to me... I mean, the story of this list is the demographic shakeup in terms of more recent films, more film by films by women, et cetera. My personal story of this list is the wrong old white dudes got booted. There's like three Stanley Kubrick movies and two Federico Fellini movies and three Billy Wilder movies. And most, a lot of the great, to me, great sort of classic Hollywood stuff is what fell off, I think, mistakenly. All right. Uh, thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. All right, thanks. You can read Chris's piece on DeAnthony Melton. Kyle Anderson, the return of DeAnthony Melton, over at... We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.